0: keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get
2: your podcast. Hey everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey,
0: it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified?
3: We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup.
2: Call 423 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.
4: Josh Druk is most known as the long haired, screaming frontman of hardcore band School Drugs, but he's got a lot of connections to ska. He played bass for Best of the Worst on one tour, played drums for the recent Awful Waffle reunion set at the Ska Mom Memorial Show, and he even booked that show. Hell, he played one of the metalheads in a parking lot characters in the horror film Uncle Peckerhead. I think at this point we can all agree that Josh is the most Ska person on the planet. Aaron, you don't really like hardcore that much, right? I wouldn't say I don't like hardcore. I would just say that I don't. you don't gravitate towards it. I don't gravitate towards it, but sometimes there are bands that I like.
5: Yeah. I really like hardcore. I really like school drugs. I I randomly just became friends with Josh through Instagram. Oh, yeah? (laughs) We just started like chatting on there. And then uh, when the Awful Waffle reunion happened, uh, I saw somebody that looked like Josh playing drums. And it turned out it was Josh. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was like, that looks like the guy from school drugs. It was, in fact, the guy from School Drugs.
4: Yes, so because he played drums in Awful Waffle, he is now part of the ska canon.
5: Yep, so now, forever, we'll have to be dodging those uh, questions of, is School Drugs a ska
4: band? Yes, and the answer, you'll find out. (laughs) All right, Josh, I hear that you're a professional actor.
0: Uh, Professional usually means that you got uh, you. You've worked for money.
4: <laughs> okay,
0: that's not fair. They did pay me money. I was paid money. So what? I'm, what I'm getting at is yes, yeah, professional actor.
4: So why don't you tell people um, the the movie you were in and the role you played?
0: The movie that I was in was called Uncle Peckerhead. Yes, and classic. I had the. Uh, prestigious title of Metalhead number two yes I was not good so, enough to be Metalhead number one apparently ah uh,
4: who was Metalhead number one I
0: I wish I could tell you that I remember that kid's name but I met that kid that day and and he was very nice he was very cool and was friends with Matt my friend who directed the movie uh, who I just I realized after we had a little exchange on Twitter like oh duh I listened to Matt talk about the fucking movie on your thing that's
4: yeah we're talking about you
0: yes that was that is true
4: so for anyone who has not listened to our uncle peck or head interview or have seen the movie there is a scene called metalhead metalheads in the parking lot Uh, a nice title borrowed from slapstick song and uh josh you you were one of the two metalheads who drove into a parking lot and uh just started moshing. Right? Yeah. That was basically that was your directions. Drive in and start moshing.
0: Yeah, I think Matt basically told us like just just be just be complete assholes. Like the biggest <laughs> fucking assholes that you could possibly be, just do that. I was like, Oh yeah. Oh okay. That requires very little direction, director, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, talk about a fucking typecast, bud.
5: So the metalhead number one is Alex McKelvey.
0: Yeah, that guy.
4: Mick Kelvey. Yeah. Is he in a band? I feel like I feel like I remember Matt saying that you guys were both in bands. I
5: don't remember. Hmm. Maybe not. I just remember him saying that Josh from School Drugs was in it. Okay. He didn't say who the other guy was.
0: Like I said, he was nice, and, and the scene was was good. Yeah. Uh, fun fact about that parking lot too, is that is actually a parking lot of a, uh, I think it's a VFW, but it, maybe it's a, uh, old guard or moose lodge or something. I think it's a, I think it was, I think it's the brick VFW. Uh, but that is a place that used to have shows.
4: It still has shows. Okay.
0: Well, nice. they used to have shows. I don't think
4: used to, used to have shows. Did you play shows at that VFW?
0: I never played shows there, but I went to a good number of, of shows there.
4: Any shows
5: that you remember that stick out in your mind?
0: Yeah, I left before um, a righteous jams show in like two thousand seven. All all mm. hardcore shows. Um, I left before righteous jam uh, at before righteous jams got there because I was worried that it was going to get uh, too rough for little Josh, and I was uh-huh. kind of scared of a uh, possible activity of the gang variety.
4: Okay. So you already kind of said this but I remember um the thing that Matt talked about in that scene that stuck out to me is that he goes yeah, like you you and the other guy um had just met right before the scene itself. Yeah. And um I remember like cuz I remember watching it going like oh these guys are friends. Like you just seem like friends, you know. And it's like kind of kind of intimate I guess in a weird way to be like moshing with somebody just one person in a parking lot
0: i mean moshing is a very very intimate (laughs) activity it's it's,
4: yeah
0: (laughs) like name another time other than playing sports that you're that close to like other sweaty possibly shirtless people it's a it's very very intimate
4: so as 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 a person who doesn't actually you know spend their time acting and doing this what was that experience like to be like Hi, how are you doing? My name's Josh. And then just to go through this act of like moshing with them, like with all these cameras on you and stuff.
0: I mean, it's not that different than, you know, doing anything else that's slightly performative mm-hmm. from playing in a band to telling a group of people a joke at work or something. You know, if it's uh, if it's not a, if it's like, like, if it's not a thing that you're embarrassed by or get, you know, stage fright or anything like that, like i i was more worried that he was going to tell me to like dial it back like he didn't tell me to like flip the flip the fucking beer cans and like hold it above my head and like do this stupid tongue thing that i was doing and like <laughs> smoked, and i smoked like 400 cigarettes cuz i like you know like every time they like we would like cut a take it would be like you know i'd like i'd like have the cigarette and they'd be like cut and they'd be like oh jesus christ like too many say like put the thing out and be like all right Oh, J- Josh, continue. You got to get the... I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, okay. And like I got to fucking get, like, another cigarette out of the thing. And, like, it's like, oh, thank God. Like, I'm almost out to, like, almost got gotcha. you. Got another pack right here for you, bud. <laughs> it's over at Crab Services. There's just a bowl of American spirits there.
5: <laughs> that reminds me of, like, when your parents catch you with cigarettes and then make you smoke the whole thing.
0: Oh, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the other thing about that scene, too, that... uh that that's fun is afterwards so like they gave me those clothes to wear i showed up in you know my normal clothes not that it was very different from what they gave me <laughs> but um i don't wear a battle vest generally
5: no you don't
0: i don't i'm I'm not i i, ha- I had that phase for a little while i'm not against it i sure I, i'm against i'm against the messy battle vest that's, yeah yeah you know like when you got like a no center back patch and like 400 like little patches all like like you just got to clean that shit up and and get it looking right um but you know they give me those clothes and like everything got covered in blood yeah like like, everything (laughs) like so like you can see in the scene that like the blood squirts out in my hand like i'm holding my hand over the the spurting blood and my finger kind of moves out of the way it's like no it like actually was like pushing my hand it was they didn't because there was no like test They tested it, you know, way away from me and I didn't see it. So I didn't see how much this thing was going to shoot. And it, I thought it was going to kind of like dribble out a little bit and like, maybe like, but it like, you know, it was like when you put your finger over a garden hose, it was way more like that. (laughs) And it's like shooting fucking everywhere. The, you know, Matt calls cut. Oh, that was great. Awesome. Like, I think we, we totally got it. And the, the guy behind the camera moved the camera lens. And it was like in cartoons when a, when a bomb explodes and it's like, you know, the whole, the characters covered in soot, except for where their sunglasses were. It was like, <laughs> <that> <laughs> blood. I'm covered in blood. And then I had to drive home from Bricktown to, uh, Bradley beach where I live. And that's, it's like a 30 minute drive. And I had borrowed my mom's van that weekend. Cause mine was getting fixed or something. And I was like, shit, I'm going to get blood, like, all over my mom's van. <laughs> like, that's not, <laughs> she's not going to be stoked about that. So I had to get two trash bags and make pants and a shirt out of trash bags. And then threw all the other clothes in the dumpster. And then drove home. I live five blocks from the beach, drove straight to the ocean. I didn't drive into the ocean because that would have negated the whole, like, not wanting to screw up my mom's <laughs> <laughs> been worse than getting a little bit of blood on the interior of her car to submerge it in the Atlantic Ocean. Parked my car, got out of the car, went to the beach and just jumped immediately into the ocean to like wash all of this fake blood and, you know, corn syrup stuff off of me.
4: And so then the um, the people watching were like, oh, we that guy just killed somebody and he's trying to cover it up. <laughs>
0: I mean, I probably <laughs> I probably did it right around the same time that you you would throw a body into the ocean, which is like Yeah. <laughs> like just before dawn, like like right before. Yeah. The whole, you know, darkest before the dawn thing, like right around there. So there wasn't really anybody around, but I was thinking like, shit, if I get pulled over. I look <laughs> crazy, dude.
5: <laughs> so you get, you get killed in that scene, right?
0: I well, I mean, I'm not going to give away Uncle Packerhead two on on your show. Oh, okay, I?
5: my bad, my bad.
0: You never, you never know. No. I'm leaving. I'm leaving the window open. Okay. No, I'm. I'm pretty. I'm pretty fucking dead. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and and I'm taking it. You're you're a slapstick fan at some
0: point in your life, right? I didn't get the. I didn't get the reference. You didn't. I didn't it was lost on me. Okay. I didn't. I didn't know it. Um, ashamedly, I'll. I will admit that.
5: Nice. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, I guess that's the end of the interview then. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get off. Get off. First. <laughs> fake, fake star.
4: <laughs> did, so there was a like, um, cast and crew, like showing of the film sort of thing.
0: Yeah. We, I think we did like, I think I didn't go. Cause I, I think I might've been playing a show or something the day that, that they actually did it. Um, but I think they had it. There's a scene in there where they like, you know, where they're playing like the big gig or they're trying to get on the big gig and it's uh I don't know if they call it House of Independence in the movie, but that that's the name of the actual venue that they filmed it at. I believe they showed it at that venue which Matt Lawrence's brother Mike worked at the venue at the time and I also worked at the venue at the time, so I also helped out with those scenes that were shot in that movie just setting up some Lighting stuff, you know, make it look like mm. a big, like big rock show thing, and helping out with like some of that stuff.
4: Yeah, because I was wondering. I mean, obviously you weren't there, but I was wondering how the cast and crew responded to that scene. Because I mean, there's a few memorable scenes, but that's definitely one of them.
0: Yeah, I think that I, I don't, I wasn't there because when they had the um the brown scene, I'll call it for anybody that hasn't seen. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't know that scene was in there. I didn't know that was, that was coming. And that totally got me. I was, I was on the floor about that. My girlfriend, and I watched it both. Like I like I, she looked at me. And I was like, dude, I had no idea they were going to do that.
5: <laughs> Have you ever played any shows with bands that are similar to the, uh, crummy band from the movie? What are they called? Something rising? Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, the singer, uh, I think Matt probably mentioned it a thousand times, um, was his, uh, I guess is like pa on the thing mm-hmm. I guess that's what you call him um and he was great in that he wasn't like and it's it's funny cuz he wasn't he, he's not like that at all and he was funny in you know a completely different way uh so to like hang out with that dude like for a few days and then see him in that role was uh <laughs> was was fun and he was phenomenal oh and then also uh that scene where they they're they're like pulling up to one of the shows, it's like a log cabin. Mm-hmm. That is a venue in Manchester, New Jersey that my mom, well, it's not a venue. It's a venue in the sense that it's like a, a VFW or something like that. Right. Venue for say weddings or parties or things. And then every once in a while you, you know do shows um, that my mom actually booked out.
5: What did your mom book it out for or did she is she just the booking person for it
0: and that segues perfectly into <laughs> all kinds of different shows, yeah, namely hardcore punk, and ska shows.
5: What was the earliest ska show you remember having there?
0: I'm sure there was at least one or two before this, but I believe one of the very first like earliest btmi jeff pod shows like i think that first tour that he did with rick johnson
4: mm-hmm.
0: where, where he just yeah. did like the the jeff pod thing uh one of those shows was at the plp lock cabin
4: were you at that show
0: i was i think that was the ska barbecue and my non-ska band the jerks played
5: what do the jerks sound like
0: uh bad punk band very bad <laughs> punk band. like the, the it's a, appropriate for being. 14 or 15 punk right totally acceptable for for being that age
4: what was jeff ipod bomb the music music industry like for um anyone listening i mean he's kind of come a long way since that
0: it was literally just him with an ipod and he would plug his ipod into the the pa and play guitar and you know scream into the microphone and run around <laughs> now and that, and that was and like that was the first time that I ever saw BTMI. So I just thought that that's what it was. I didn't know that there was a band. I hadn't, I, I don't think I've ever seen him with a band with BTMI before.
5: Right. Well, I think, it, I think it started that way. And then eventually it became a band.
0: Yeah. He did like the one kind of acoustic song, you know, on his computer or whatever, and then put the thing uh, together. But um, yeah, those shows would be like awful waffle would play there all the time uh hub city stompers played there a bunch of times i don't think that bomb town ever actually played there
4: so what year does awful waffle begin and and you're are you in the band when the when the band begins
0: very much no they're all like probably like four or five years older than me which you know when you're like maybe like three or four years older than me but even still when you're like 14 and then you Know the members of the band that you like are like 17 or 18. That's a that might as well be you know 15 and 73. It's it's <laughs> like an, it's, 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 you can't conceive of somebody almost being legally aged, yeah. Uh huh, like they could drive. Oh my god.
4: <laughs> so, were you so you were a fan? Were you a fan of the band then before you joined?
0: Oh, very much, yeah.
4: Okay, so um the band starts in like the early the mid 2000s as I understand it.
0: Yeah, 2004, 2005, I believe.
4: From what I can tell, kind of a big deal in the, that scene in the mid to late 2000s. True or not?
0: Oh yeah, I would I would definitely say so. They were one of those bands that you would you would see you know, the big uh uh bigger like ska shows come through like your, you know, Mustard Plugs and the the real big fishes and and what have you and it would be like eh, and there's awful waffle
4: i see and um cheech and stiff stiffy from best of the worst yes were they original from the beginning members as well or no
0: yeah there might have been like a s- small small period of time where it was not really the same band kind of but for all intents and purposes i believe so yes
4: can you remember the first time you saw awful waffle as a uh, non-member like um, what you thought of them and that experience?
0: Yeah, I, I just the songs were like really, really catchy and really good and fun. And I was uh, ripe to be into it. I was wearing a tie dye shirt that said Jamaica. Uh,
5: <laughs> Wait, it said Jamaica what
0: on it? It says Jamaica. Then underneath it, it said like Yamon. Oh wow! M O N apostrophe. <laughs> um, and some uh, blue Dickies shorts that, like, like light blue. I'm not talking like navy. I'm fuck like light blue, like
5: powder blue.
0: Yeah, powder blue Whoa. Dickies shorts that I had. Uh, <laughs> that I had Jeff spray paint bomb the music industry on. Yeah. <laughs> If if, if if people don't know the thing used to be that like Bon Museum Industry didn't make shirts but Jeff would bring a stencil he would bring multiple stencils and spray paint and then you would either bring a blank shirt or turn your shirt inside out and then you'd go outside and he would just be out there like spray painting t-shirts and i i guess i i couldn't possibly give up my Jamaica Yaman t-shirt <laughs> to be a uh, bonding music industry shirt. So instead I, I took off my shorts <laughs> and spray paint my shorts, which like now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like that was fucking weird. And that was probably right. even real. That was probably really weird for him. Yeah. <laughs> 14 years old. Like, hold on, let me take my shorts off. <laughs> like, That's really weird. I'm sorry.
5: Was the stencil down like one leg of the shorts?
0: No, it was straight across the crotch. (laughs) Like like if you were standing up and you took it and then put it at like a jaunty angle and then just went, that's what it looked like. Wow. Were
5: you doing your own laundry at this point or was your mom doing your laundry and then like holds up these shorts? Like what
0: the? I don't think, I don't, yeah, I don't think she really cared. And it was also (laughs) like, it was in like glittery blue paint. So it didn't even look good. It was really stupid of me to ask for him to do the, but like, he was like, yeah, I guess. Okay. Sure.
5: <laughs> yeah. Did, did you wear those shorts more than just that one show or did they Probably. go the trash?
0: Oh my God. <laughs> I, think I gave them to, to my girlfriend who, oh man, I wonder if she still has those somewhere. She still has a, a ball in the music industry, spray painted stenciled shirt that I gave her from a different time. That was a tie dye blue shirt. I'm realizing now that I wore a lot of tie dye. <laughs> um, that's, that's the most embarrassing part about all this not taking my my pants off in front of jeff rosenstock
4: that you were a tie-dye guy
0: yeah ugh.
5: After this.
4: So who else were the ska bands in this scene? This is um, New Jersey. Um, we have Hub City Stompers. You already mentioned them.
0: Yeah. And they, and they were like, way, they were even older than the members of Awful Waffle at the time. They still are too. That's the crazy thing is they're still <laughs> older than the members of Awful Waffle. To this day. How did that work? <laughs> like it can, it's the consistency that I love, guys. It's the consistency. <laughs> uh, but like so they but they were like adults like like awful Waffle, like they're still like they're still kids they're like oh yeah they're like they're like cool like older teenagers but like awful or Pub City it's like yo they're like adults and then they would bring like older people to the show and they, they were like skinheads and they were like kind of scary and like they would mostly stand in the back but then they would play like you know New Jersey New York Posse and then you'd like you'd want to get the hell out of the way and wait for like, you know, the fucking dork song. So you could dance in the circle and, and not get like clobbered. Mm
4: -hmm. (laughs) Did
5: you ever get clobbered by skinheads?
0: Mm, I don't think I did actually. Good. I don't believe that I ever, I ever did. I, some skinheads busted up Cheech's car at one of those shows.
5: Wow. Why, why did they do that?
0: I don't know. I, I still, (laughs) I don't know. He was, so fucking calm. Like he was he was so calm and nice that he was borderline being like, you know, like like, oh man, like I hope they didn't, you know, scuff up their shoes when they did it. Like it was like <laughs> it was like borderline that nice. He was so calm and collected and cool the entire time. And I remember, my my mom was there like freaking out for him, like,
5: I can't believe
0: this. What the fuck? And like he's just like, yeah. You know, shit happens.
4: Cheech, <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, um, let us know. I post something about uh, what happened and why it happened. We'd love to hear. We'd love to hear that story.
5: So it sounds like your mom was already was always pretty uh, supportive of you playing in punk bands.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. And she was she definitely liked the ska shows specifically because she could tolerate them. Mm hmm. Cause it was not a bunch of just screaming and noise.
4: Right. Yeah. Or was it also more tolerable in terms of like the, uh, the way the kids behaved compared to the punk or hardcore shows mm. from a mom perspective,
0: the, the hardcore shows, it was, it was more like, like the, the biggest thing that I remember is that there was a, um they'd get like a hardcore show in there and it would be, you know, like nuts to butts. And there was a uh, shuffleboard table in the, on the one like whole side of the building was just a big long shuffleboard table and it had like a wooden cover on top of it and you know kids would stand on it to like watch the show or stage dive or whatever and and she would come out in like the middle of fucking bands and be like get off the shuffleboard table Dude, <laughs> <laughs> it was totally that thing like yo was not that your mom like yeah that's tight She'd like be flipping out. Now as an adult, I'm like, Yeah, get off the goddamn shuffleboard table. You think you fucking live here? What are you doing? Either that or like yelling at people like, Keep the door closed! Air conditioning's on
5: <laughs> It's at the back of the room too, right?
0: The shuffleboard table or the door?
5: The shuffleboard table.
0: I mean both. So she's she's well versed in in the language of of screaming, of shouting, so you know, she'd just shout from across the room, like over the bands and, you know, Killy Rydles are playing and she's like, <laughs> shut the fucking door. <laughs> was like, guys, can you shut the door please?
5: Well, I was just thinking, you, you were saying people are stage diving off the shuffleboard table.
0: Oh, that was a regular occurrence.
5: Sh- but like shuffleboard, like if it's at the back of the room, like always just like s- diving, diving from the back of the room is always.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's definitely happened, but it was like, Like if the, if the band is playing in a corner, it was on one side of that corner.
5: Okay. So it's not, it's not as gnarly as it could be.
0: No, but, but then like pylons at that place would get so high that it would reach the, um, the wooden rafters (laughs) and then then kids would either jump, like get, like get on the bar or the pool or the shuffleboard table and then get onto the rafters and then jump off of the rafters onto their friends
5: onto the onto the pylon,
0: um, or the pylon would get so high that kids would be like holding themselves away from, you know, a hundred and fifty years of of antique dust, like <laughs> dust dust that saw the Hindenburg. <laughs> and I say that because it was located in Manchester, and Lakehurst is the next town over, and it was built in 1927.
4: Wow! So when did you join uh, Awful Waffle?
0: Uh, what month is it? uh a month and a half ago
4: oh you just joined for the
5: show
0: yeah
4: oh okay i thought you were uh in the original version okay my mistake oh, no, so it's just...
0: I, i'm i was not then and am still not now talented enough to be in that band <laughs> i had i, I had a, no chance of being in that band back in the day uh and i barely have a chance of being in that band now
4: so um the recent show was this the one and only reunion or did they do reunion shows like i know they were talking about doing them in 2020
0: yeah so they had like started talking about doing some reunion shows in in 2020 and that started to get off the ground and then corona happened and kind of threw those plans uh to the wayside and then um unfortunately Skamom mom passed away and i wasn't part of the original trying to do the reunion either that was all awful Waffle and jerony aka gravmaster hash uh on you know if you're on tiktok yeah and um so i heard about that and i was like well we get like We need to do something. Like we, we should. We need. We need to do something. Like we have to, you know. Just that. Like when something like that happens, and like you, you feel the need to just do something because you don't know what to do because nobody knows how to deal with with losing someone. Um. And so we were like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm sure we can throw a, you know, a memorial show or a benefit or, or something like that, and. First, I called Jerony up, and I was like, yo, I know you were trying to do uh, the Awful Waffle reunion, like, a little while ago. I think this is the only reason to do it. This is, like, the only reason for them to get to get together again. Yeah. We can do it in the, I guess most genuine, like best way possible. We're going to do it at the log cabin with bands that ska mom's daughter picks and really just have like a a full on celebration. And he was like, yeah, a hundred percent. And was like, yo, let me get on the phone with, with everybody. And like, you know, get this thing together. So, uh, he goes around and he calls people. And I think, I talked to Cheech that night too. And, and he talked to everybody else and like, you know, we put it together and it was like, awesome. Like everybody's like into it. This is a good idea. Um, you know, we'll raise some money, give it to Shannon, Sky Mom's daughter and you have like, we'll get some other bands and it'll be good. So then I asked Shannon, like, you know, who else do you want to, like, who do you want to play this thing? And she was like, oh, and, you know, love to get Hub City Stompers involved. So, like, sick. Get up Hub City Stompers. They are like, 100%. Like, we were all, we were on the same page, like, already about to do something. So, kind of combined forces here. And, like, yeah, let's do it. Um, And, like I said, we were going to do it at the, at the log cabin, which is just a, you know, floor space. So, like, I called my boss. Jason, who knew Ska Mom from, like, back in City Gardens days, and he runs Asbury Audio, which is, like, an audio company um, in Asbury, which is pretty fucking obvious because they're called Asbury Audio, um, <laughs> but I called him, and I'm like, yo, like, I need a PA for this thing, and he's, like, 100% free, donated, all good, called to my other boss that runs a, a lighting and Staging Company, they are not called Lighting Asbury Lighting and Staging, coincidentally, because <laughs> that, oh, no. that would be too easy, then you would know exactly what they do. They're called Legacy Lighting. So at least you know they do lighting. Called them yeah. up, and he, uh, my boss Damien didn't know Sky Mom, but was like, hey, this is like a friend of yours. Totally free, like on me. Whatever kind of stage and lighting you want. All good. Um, and you know my boss Jason comes from more like the hardcore world but that same sense of community is there whether it's you know ska punk hardcore whatever it's sort of like we've lost one of our own no matter from what sect they may be and and we all help each other out in this this instance
4: So Ska Mom, um, Leslie Brown, um, can you tell people a little bit about her and and why she was so important to that scene?
0: Ska Mom was just always there. She she was a clearly Ska, especially staple. I mean, I, I saw her at plenty of other types of shows. Like Ska Mom had love for Ska and punk and... I don't know that I ever saw her any like hardcore shows, but I wouldn't be surprised if I if I did. And she was just always there with a hug and a smile and genuine interest in how you're doing and how you're feeling and making sure that you're okay. And I I came probably late like much later to knowing Skamom than like say the members of awful waffle or, or, or any of um, those people Um, probably closer to like when I started working at Asbury lanes, which was in like 2011. And then, okay. and I'd be working, you know, a ton of shows and she would be there every time. And I worked the snack bar and like, she would come into the snack bar and like, we would talk and she would always tip me really well. And, and I, I knew Shannon um, but she was always supportive. And from what I've heard from like Cheech and, and Jeroni and, and, and everybody else, like she was always there to like offer a ride home or bring, you know, Leslie and like all the kids to whatever show they wanted to go to and hang out make sure everybody got food afterwards and was like taken care of and everybody was safe and got home. All right.
4: Mm. So was she known as ska mom when, when you were made aware of her, was she already known as ska mom?
0: Oh yeah. Cause like I knew who she was when I like first started going to shows in like 2004, 2005. Um, I just didn't really hang out with like people outside of like ska shows. Um uh, mm-hmm. 'cause cause they lived two towns over, which if you don't have a car might as well be the other side of the country mm-hmm. at 14 or 15 years old. Um, or you don't have friends that drive, which I did not. Um, but yeah, so like I, she'd been ska mom for forever, for as long as I had been aware of her, which was 2004, 2005. And I'm sure it was even before that.
4: So you weren't going to, you weren't part of the talks of doing an awful, waffle uh, reunion in 2020 was there a reason why you were you were part of the reunion in the band this time did they was their drummer unable to make it or
0: uh so they have they had some issues with their 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 old drummer he was uh persona non grata for undisclosed reasons
4: i gotcha and, gotcha
0: and you know i'm like it, like you know i set up the group chat with everybody and told them when we're doing the show who's playing um forgot to mention that like you know i hit up Capite and was like hey i'm doing this thing for them Capite was extremely generous in donating their time as well to the function um and uh told everybody blah, blah blah we're in the group chat everybody's good and they're like oh like we don't like we don't really have a drummer right now uh like we're gonna get joe scala who plays drums and best of the worst to do it but like he's gonna be on tour during that show and i was like ah shit okay like so you know like who so get a drummer I, okay like get a, get a fucking drummer and i believe it, it had to be cheech because no one else would have probably asked me <laughs> uh, <laughs> It and so cheech was like you know, do you want to play drums and, and for like the show? And I was like, because uh, like I then I like thought about what the songs were like in my head, and I'm like, I was only ever in a ska band once, and it was only one tour, and it was your ska band, Cheech, and you know I was fucking awful. <laughs> I did it for the best of the worst, and it and I was horrible. I was. Fucking atrocious.
4: Is this commentary on your drumming skills or your ska drumming skills? Oh,
0: I played bass in that.
4: <laughs> oh, wow.
0: I played bass for a tour with best of the worst. And that was a fucking, that, that was the worst. That was the worst. <laughs> it
4: was not the best of the
0: worst. No, I mean, they're, they're like, found it. Got it. Wrap it up. That's it guys. We're good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you guys at the uh, after party. So what what
5: drumming experience do you have then that made Cheech think, oh, Josh can do this?
0: I I because I can play drums. I, I don't know. Like I I never played in a ska band. I still don't get like ska. Like I'm not a fucking ska drummer. I'm not a ska. Right.
5: Well,
0: I'm probably not a ska anything. I don't know why the fuck you guys are talking to me. Um, <laughs> I would. I'm like I'm I am I am Josh Jerk friend of ska. I am ska Jason, You know.
4: You played bass in a ska band and you played drums in a ska band, so.
0: F- fuck, you got me there.
4: <laughs> and you're in you're in the ska themed
5: segment of a horror movie, so
0: you got me on the technicality. Yeah.
5: <laughs> pretty pretty darn ska. Fuck! All
0: right. Uh, <laughs> um is this how you guys found out too? You just get blindsided by it. You just wake up one day and you're like, fuck, I'm a ska guy.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Shit.
0: Okay. Um No, he just asked me and and because I, I I played I've played drums in other bands that nobody gave a shit about. And I demoed like school drug stuff on drums and kind of started a project with Cheech at one point where I was playing drums. So he just, I think he just kind of knew that I could play drums. I don't know if he had any idea of my actual ability. Did
5: that project have a name?
0: No, no. It was like, it never really went anywhere. Like it didn't even still have a
5: name though. You gotta put something on the files that you're recording.
0: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) New song number one. Yeah, like dick fuck. (laughs) number one, dick fuck butt shit. You know, and then I can't find the file, and I'm like, was it dick fuck butt or or fuck dick? But I I can't remember. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. I. I. I I don't know why he asked me. I. I told. So he asked me, and I thought about it for a couple days. I told my girlfriend. Uh, and she was like, so you're like, you're going to do it though. Right. And I was like, I, I no, I don't know. I can't play that shit. Like, cause I just <laughs> remember listening to awful, awful when they first, when they put out their EP and thinking like, Oh my God, the drumming is so good. Like I could never play drums like this. This is an actual, I never told anyone else probably ever that I, that I thought that specifically about that band specifically. But I was just like, Jesus Christ, I don't get how like anybody plays drums like that. And like, fuck. So I told them and I'm still telling them like, hey, I'm not the drummer that you you really want. I'm the one that you got. And if you <laughs> find the one that you need, you let me know.
4: So this is kind of like a rom-com here, isn't it?
0: I, I'm still waiting for them to tell <laughs> me. I'm still waiting for them to be like, oh, no, we, we got the guy. Cool. No problem.
4: So love the one you got, not the one you You, you can you know,
0: love the one you love.
4: Yeah, yeah, this is kind of that, Funny. but uh you know, drummer. <laughs> TikTok celebrity, uh Grabmaster Hash. <laughs> 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 um I know he was so he was uh dancing on stage, hype ma- hyping that set.
0: He lived his 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 best life that night. He lived his he Lived his dream of being a, a ska hype man, <laughs> and he was joined. He was joined on stage by by a true ska hype man. Oh yeah, who? Uh, homeboy from Kill Lincoln,
4: Drew. Uh, oh yeah,
0: yeah. Who was who was there and was like, you know, jumped up on stage. There was like, oh, I was like playing and I'm like watching. Like, dude jumped on stage and like Jeroni kind of turned around and realized that he was there, and it like I saw the validation wash over. <laughs> and i'm like also watching security like oh please don't kick him off like this is this is his thing both of them like this is great for you like i'm so happy for both of you
4: you got to be careful though you cannot you cannot do two ska hype men on at once that's really
0: who says well i mean uh i mean the other guy was like he was like auxiliary he was like auxiliary hype yeah man.
4: and then what if like what if then ben carr shows up and hops on stage Oh, uh, that would like i think the apocalypse would have came down on that but that's only three of the four horsemen we need one more oh, yeah. then the, the madness madness is uh, hype man comes up next oh no there you go then it's done
0: and, and bobo from A veil. can't leave that guy
4: out yeah you know then we'll get the guy from happy mondays too he shows up <laughs> i mean if we're jumping genres we gotta get him <laughs> so but that was the first time so he wasn't part of the band before that, it was just something that he had been wanting to do. He'd been wanting to be the hype man.
0: I, I don't even know that he was like, "All right, guys." I know he probably did say like, "Oh, I'm gonna yeah. be the hype man." That's I'm gonna be. That's my thing. Like we delineated, you know, responsibilities <laughs> out in the group chat, and it was like, "All right, like, you know, Josh is essentially the manager slash, I guess, drummer. Uh Jeroni's gonna do is gonna be the PR person slash hype man." Okay. Uh, And then he did that.
2: (laughs) Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast.
0: Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA plus and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified?
3: We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup.
2: Call 423 667 7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, he, he was, he, it was definitely mentioned explicitly that like that was going to be a thing that he did.
5: In Defense of Ska will return in a moment.
4: Okay. So the show, um, Awful Waffle, Hub City Stompers, Cat Bite. Any other bands on that show? I can't remember off the top of my
0: head. Uh Sammy K opened with Cat Bite as his backing band. Okay. Who would have been a, f- a friend of of Shannon and and Leslie's for, you know, the same amount of time as any of those other guys.
4: What w- what was the energy like? Was it a um was it an emotional day an evening or was it um cathartic what, what was it like for everybody
0: it was it was like um it was like a family reunion kind of vibe like i didn't i didn't see anybody crying or, or anything like i saw more people that like hugging each other and and embracing that haven't seen each other in you know 15 years 15 plus years like it was that kind of thing um yeah you know and especially like shannon was seeing people that you know, she hadn't seen in forever. Everybody was. Um, And it was a really cool thing to bring everybody back. And I think it's exactly what Leslie would have wanted.
4: Celebration of life kind of thing, right?
0: Yeah, just bring everybody back, you know, especially because of the thing that we would all know each other from, which Mm -hmm. would just be, you know, live music in general.
4: There was a uh, uh, was there an auction element too like for the, so the to help increase the fundraising part of it?
0: Yeah, uh Ch- uh Cheech and some other people in the band organized uh like a silent auction kind of thing and yeah. raffled and like a bunch of the bands donated stuff and and uh Bad Time Records donated things and Catbite donated records and
4: Yes, and I donated uh, I donated a book. Yes. Mm-hmm. How much did your book go for, Aaron? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't at the auction. I know, a, I know. It might have been
0: a raffle and not a silent auction. I, I don't know. That was just, that was like a, I have like all of this stuff that I'm dealing with. Like, I love this idea. Involve me in it as little as you can. Though. Yeah. Yeah. I'll show you where the tables are to set it up, and then that's... That's where it ends.
4: Now, was the was the fundraiser? Was there something about? And I could be mixing this up. Like getting a bench for her.
0: Yes, that was. So, you know, I'd asked Shannon, like, what, like, would you know, what do you want us to to do? Like, we're just going to give it. Like, we're just going to give you. You do whatever you want with this, um, and and she had mentioned that they wanted to get her a bench on, I believe, the Asbury boardwalk
4: okay was that asbury boardwalk a special place for leslie
0: i believe so um definitely more of, a, of a, a shannon question but like i have a lot of memories of seeing her at in asbury specifically um at either the lanes or stone pony or stone pony summer stage or house of independence or, or you know wherever mm-hmm. uh so aside from like the log cabin um or like maybe Starland, that that's probably where I would remember seeing her most and probably the last place that I saw her.
4: I see. So um you have a band called School Drugs? I do. And uh, so when did School Drugs start?
0: 2016.
4: Okay. Great hardcore band. I'm curious, uh, we've talked about this with different people before, do you have any um, thoughts about how you approach screaming or how you prepare to scream? You know, there's an art to screaming. Like, I'm I'm curious your thoughts about
0: that. There's like different levels of of screaming, different like voices that can only be achieved. I believe at certain uh, times of like breaking my own voice in. Mm
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, when we go to record something, I have to do all the, the higher screaming parts first, because then once I've destroyed my voice, that is when I can slip it into the, the lower screaming register. <laughs> and it just doesn't sound right if I try to go into it, you know, kind of just uh, all natural. Um, and that's not an uncommon thing. I, I read an interview or maybe you're listening to it on a podcast. It doesn't matter. The point is that I heard that Bill Stevenson would have Milo, like he would never use Milo's first take of of anything that he recorded because he would always have him, you know, do the song and like scream the things like, you know, not that Descendants are a screaming band, but there are parts where he's definitely hitting the top of uh, his register in some respect and uh he would always like have him break his voice in a little bit before like actually take you know doing the take uh and that's to- wholly true there's also like days for me where uh like our so our drummer chris uh records all of our stuff and he's been recording stuff for ever uh for a very very long time he recorded like all the erg stuff he recorded uh all the measure stuff did uh he he did the come and correct demo uh
4: legendary
0: he did uh that he's done so much stuff that it is legitimately like difficult it's like name a color there's so many of them i don't know uh banana that's not a color fuck yellow like, there's so much stuff that it's hard to name, like, one thing that he's he's done. But there are days where, like, I'll, you know, we'll, like, mix and do other stuff, and then I'll be like, all right, we'll do vocals tomorrow, pending that my voice sounds good. <laughs> there some days that it just doesn't sound good. Like, the scream just isn't there. I don't know, you know, what I did differently the night or the day before, uh, but it just doesn't sound right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound good it doesn't break up correctly. Cause that's, that's like, it's like screaming is like, you know, God, this is going to sound so stupid. I just said this to myself in my head and now I'm going to say it out loud and it's going to be even worse. (laughs) Let's hear it. (laughs) Screaming is, it's like a high thought, man. This is like, it's like a total high thought. It's like screaming is like, screaming is like distortion for your, for your vocals.
5: Yeah.
4: Mm. -hmm.
0: Which I don't disagree with, but I hate that I said that. Um, I'm
4: glad you don't disagree with yourself.
0: I don't. Uh, <laughs> it's a side effect of always being right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, like some and then just some days like the, the your your voice, it doesn't break up correctly, whether it's, you know, too much phlegm or you have allergies or whatever the fuck it is like, it just doesn't break up correctly. Um, but. To answer your actual question, um, sometimes I'll have a nice herbal tea, mm. lemon and uh, and honey.
5: Now, is that more for recovery or is that more for getting ready?
0: I mean, I will. I'll, yeah, I will legitimately do that for for both. Yeah, both before and after to um, if I remember to to try to like recover it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I, I also I, I don't ever. I don't ever like just go, which I I think just going into it is a fucking stupid idea for a lot of reasons. One, you're way I think you're way more likely to blow your voice out instantly, not warming up and just going like right into it,
5: Mm
0: kind of like you know, like you know, never exercising and then trying to sprint one day is a terrible idea. I feel like, yeah, yeah. Um, So I, I try to just get some like vocal warm ups, which usually consist of going as high as I can sing a note all the way down, like sliding that all the way down to like the lowest that I can get. And then making a lot of really horrendous retching kind of like type sounds, (laughs) things of that nature. I don't want to blow your listeners ears out by making the actual sounds that I make, but um, I generally do that wherever I happen to be standing. I'm not really like a hideaway and do it person. Because it also takes away some of that, like, if, if you're ever at all nervous about, like, doing the actual thing that you're going to do in front of people. If you do the thing that you look really silly doing in front of a bunch of people, then doing the other thing is going to be easy.
5: What about for, like, a live show situation? Do you warm up?
0: And- oh, yeah. All of that pertain to live setting.
5: Okay. But do you just warm up in front of everybody?
0: Yeah, I don't give a shit. There's not usually a place in <laughs> a basement to go, you know, like check into the green room and, and take a take a couple minutes for yourself and turn the uh you know humidifier on. Yeah. Like, hi, is there a place to plug my humidifier in next to the basement <laughs> toilet? No? Oh, that's gonna be a problem. Oh mm. mm, yeah. <laughs> sorry.
4: Right now seems like a time where um hardcore is having i'm not sure exactly what i call it but some kind of moment where there's a lot of great new like indie bands but there's also some of these bands that are good and they're also catching a little bit more mainstream ish attention like turnstile is a good example they were on the tonight show
0: i think yeah i I think anything that is getting like really big mainstream attention i i feel like is a you know rising tide raises all ships kind of thing because yeah. of turnstile. yeah yeah which yeah. i don't think is a bad thing at all
4: no it, it helps that is a good band too
0: oh 100% Turnstile fucking rules i love that it's great
4: when the band that's getting the mainstream attention is good that's a i think that's a big plus because then if if they're not yeah. good then people are like Psh forget it they're not they're not going to give the little bands a chance
0: i think it's also good how much some people hate it <laughs> yeah like no well, that's that's like i think that's legitimately a uh, a a good thing like i read in in a, a book by Paula Shear who's a a graphic designer um where she was saying that you know when when new design trends come along like you know specifically in her case in the world of graphic design when new de- design trends come along and and people vehemently are against it you know like this is this is destructive to the moral fabric of graphic design this is ruining a perfectly good rendition of don giovanni um that's for anybody that seen dirty work uh <laughs> like y- you should pay attention to whatever it is that they're getting so upset about, because it's probably good
5: mm. yeah,
0: like there's a reason that that it's it's being it's disruptive and people are so polarized by it and I, and turnstile is the perfect example of that exact thing where like you know the the these sort of ideas that like old heads like fucking hate it, can't stand it this yeah. Like, don't they they don't get it they don't want to get it and that's not to say that like anybody over the age of you know 40 is you know hates turnstile that's clearly not true but that's probably more so the demographic of people that are like making fucking facebook posts about how bad it is
4: (laughs) yeah i think um hip-hop has got that same thing too where it's like there's been like you know movements of hip hop in the last decade that has just riled the feathers of like the old heads
0: oh yeah you remember how much everybody hated like soundcloud rap
4: yeah soundcloud or quote unquote mumble rap but it's like some of that's really good if you just like get over yourself for a second
0: (laughs) and the funny thing about that too is i'm like okay you don't like the rapper what about the producer like what about the person that you know made all the beats and all the other stuff that isn't the guy that is saying you know the words to the song the guy that's like actually orchestrating how those notes are going to sound once he puts it through auto-tune like what about that there's like more to this than just the one thing which i guess in that world which i'm not super familiar with is very heavily based on the mc so it's like well you know it's all about the mc i don't like the mc but you know, to me I'm like, I care more about Dr. Dre as a producer than I do as a rapper.
4: And you know, and that actually brings it back to the roots, actually in a more like a like a real roots way, where it used to be, um, the, the DJ was like the leader back in the like Brooklyn seventies hip hop days when it was like Yeah, the 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 DJ, you know, the DJ was the star and then the rapper was kind of like secondary.
0: Right. Yeah. And and then so now it's like you're you're dj of yesterday is sort of the producer of today
4: yeah exactly
0: you know but it's just like they were they were making what the producer is making live essentially
4: is there any thought in your head about why maybe there's like kind of energy and interesting stuff happening right now in hardcore
0: kids like fast music kids just like fast they want they they just want music to be fast and loud that is always been true it will forever be true it will never not be true Mm -hmm. and especially when there is something that is so easily accessible in both its its sound uh and its presentation especially to a modern audience it is quite obvious that that kids are going to be and get into this thing it's it's presented in in such a way that is so easily accessible you, you know again like sonically it is there's there's something in turnstile specifically and a lot of the bands that are coming up sort of are, are around them that is there's something for kind of everybody in it i guess
4: well are there bands that you are particularly fond of happening like kind of you know in the within the last four or five years
0: yeah i'm I, again this is a this is a name a name a color so, um <laughs> situation because i'm just like I, now like you said that and i can only think of ska core bands that i that i okay at the moment
4: what are you into in ska core
0: hold on i gotta i gotta at least name like one <laughs> hardcore band for like the two people that are you know hardcore fans that that are going to uh that are also friends with me that are going to listen to this and be like
4: yeah you better better name their bands
0: uh <laughs> wet specimens who is uh our, you know band that we're friends with um but uh and we did like a, a weekend with them semi recently um are great they're kind of in that like D beat sort of uh raw punk sort of sound uh as as it were but ska ska on the other hand yeah
4: (laughs) now what do you think of the what do you i want to ask you what do you think of the armed
0: i'm not is that a that's a band
4: that's a a hardcore band
0: i am not familiar
4: um their album hyper pop uh hyper pop no one knows i what is it called pop is it just called pop oh look it's um The production's very unusual. Ultra pop, ultra pop. I was close. Ultra pop. It has like, it sounds like it's uh, layers of sounds kind of almost to the point of like, it's sounding overly compressed. Is that how, would you agree with that, Adam? Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I like the band, but I feel like it's, it's a, it's really hard to listen to. Now I've seen, um, I've seen footage of them play and I thought it was amazing, but something about the production is both fascinating. Mm -hmm. And you know very creative, but i could, yeah kinda I just can't quite vibe with the way they chose to record their record.
0: I like anybody i mean i i like not I'm not going to say that I like anybody or anything that is like different, but um i I appreciate anybody that's willing to do something different within the confines of hardcore or hardcore punk.
4: Well, they're definitely, I mean, they're definitely unique. They also, um, they did a whole thing too, where they got like really jacked <laughs> and got super into weightlifting. And that was like part of their um, process of like either recording or building up to its release. And that was part of the...
5: Is that like
0: a bit though? Is it like a bit? Is it like a joke? No, it
4: was like, I think it was like to focus them basically. Like, hey, let's all get super jacked. Yeah, yeah. it's a real thing they got into. And I think they it was thematically relevant to the record and they used it as part of their release gimmick, but it was like a gimmick, but also like real, like this is what we were doing. I'm
0: liking this lesson. Less. Um, <laughs> if, if, if there was a joke, if it was like, it just, it, for some reason that reminds me of when I was on that best of the worst tour, some fucking genius in Detroit decided to book like a full on beat down hardcore show before the ska show Mm. before, before the best of the worst stuck lucky tour fucking rolled in that bitch. Always Um, a good move. They, yeah, they had like a full on, like, I, I think the one band was left behind who it's like, what the kids would now deem deathcore, but back in the day we just called it metalcore, mm-hmm. that kind mm-hmm. of shit. Um, and it and I remember we like we rolled up, and we had, you know, I also have to I have to paint the picture of what touring it with the best of the worst was. It was a small trailer, and then I believe it was Jay's SUV. <laughs> It wasn't even a fucking van. It was an SUV. So there was two seats, a fucking bench seat, and then another kind of bench seat, but like in an SUV. So there was fucking one, two, three, four, five. There was seven of us. So there were three people in the fucking middle bench seat and then two people in the back and then, you know, driver, passenger always. And it was maybe one of the first times I like ever like went out into the world that wasn't you know just on the east coast kind of tour. So to me I'm like, oh this is just what this is like. Okay, great. Uh, Looking back now, I'm like, oh I would I I would fucking murder everybody. (laughs) Absolutely no way I would be able to have anybody breathe directly into my fucking open mouth that no. Couldn't do it. I could not do it now. But we rolled up to the show And there were – legitimately one of the bands that was opening – that was playing the first show were fucking – had their, like, van all opened up and they are standing in the parking lot lifting weights. And not just, like, a couple, like, (laughs) girls. Like, they had full fucking, like, barbells and they're lifting weights in the parking lot. And (laughs) – and like you know we started like clowning on them in the car like one of us was like look at these fucking nerds holy shit look at these fucking assholes and then one of us was like guys the windows are open we were just like oh, oh shit we had like we didn't realize we were just like all fucking clowning on these dudes and, and the windows were wide open you're like weird jocks, and then uh oh, yeah. It would, dude. It was, it was total. Fo- it was the epitome of football team marching band. It was, it was. It's never been displayed more prominently than than right then and there. So then, you know, we're standing around. We have nothing else to do because we're in downtown, slightly suburban Detroit. Other than eat the worst pizza I've ever had in my entire fucking life. Um, we had nothing else to do. So we're like watching the hardcore show beforehand, and I remember one of the bands was was playing, and the in between songs, the singer was like, "Yo, I heard there's a fucking ska show after this shit tonight. We gotta get out of here." But that's too bad because I love ska.
4: Ah, <laughs> oh, that's very nice. That's of so,
0: him. so nice of him. Wow, and, and it was you know like this song's called. You know, slaughtering the innocent, which which honestly, if those kids had stayed, they probably would have been at least slightly into the best of the worst because it's like,
2: oh, for sure. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast.
0: Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA plus and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified?
3: We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup.
2: Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.
0: You know they had it's like the same thing. It's just you know our fast, their fast part goes and your fast part goes. It's you know, it's just it's on the up and you're on the down. That's all yeah. it is.
4: This next song is called "I Love Scots." My very favorite <laughs> genre. <laughs>
5: we'll be right back
4: after this. So my personal favorite new ish hardcore band is uh, Soul Glow.
0: Soul Glow's cool. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Adam, what do what are you into? School drugs. School drugs, <laughs>
0: yeah. Let's talk about
4: you got this um four part album, Funeral Arrangement that's partially released.
0: Partially. Oh, I wanted to give a shout out to uh Body Farm, Slut Bomb, and Grishka and uh uh, whatever everyone else can go fuck themselves
4: shout out to grishka
0: just like three current hardcore or you know grindcore type bands
4: yeah tell tell us the concept of funeral arrangement
0: uh we started thinking about you know putting out like the next thing that we were going to put out kind of right before the the pandemic hit so like very you know january of of 2020 it's you know um that's bullshit no we didn't it was way after that it had to be way after that because we canceled the fucking modern medicine tour because of corona so we wouldn't really be thinking of i wouldn't be burdening myself with fucking more shit to do while being on the tour for the fucking record that i just put out that that's going to come later it's going to come at least a couple months later
4: anyway time is time is weird from march 2020 to present time is still very weird
0: i'm looking at a flyer for a show that we played on february 16th of 2020 and i'm like well jesus that's that's fucking mean (laughs) um because then our tour was march it was the next month and it was you know it was only like 10 days but it was like the first you know we were actually like gonna go out and do some shit
5: and then everything shut down
0: yeah then everything shut down we don't need to talk about it anymore we all know what happened we all thought that it was gonna be (laughs)
5: we all went through it together
0: yeah we all thought it was going to be over we were like nope it's going to be a couple days nope it's a couple years actually it's more like three-ish going on sort of years kind of acting like everything is okay but it's not it's totally not but maybe it is but it's not (laughs) anyway at some point (laughs) while we were all sitting around inside we were like oh um let's put some new music out and then i was like I'm not going to put out a fucking LP that I can't fucking tour on again. That would suck shit. Why would I do that? I just did that. It fucking sucked. I don't want to do that again. Let's not do that again. So we didn't do that again. So we decided like, to take the LP and split it up into four parts so that we could record it over a longer period of time and take more time to actually think about what the fuck we were putting to tape. Which, at one point, was true. We did used to record tape, but it's really fucking annoying to do. Um, But yeah. uh, We decided to split it up. Sort of like, oh, by the time the pandemic is over, we'll have a full LP and we can tour on it. Two fucking efforts at touring later, we still have not. Um, But, uh yeah basically the idea was we were gonna put out a four part record to spend more time not making something that sucks and spread it out so that we can have a fucking record to tour on when we are able to actually tour
5: and so is it kind of stalled out or are you guys gonna continue with it?
0: oh no no the that's so we were also thinking like, oh, let's put out you know a like let's put it out as four seven inches mm-hmm. and uh. We'll be able to do some, like, cool things with each one, and I can take more time to, like, obsess over the the artwork and what fucking stock the, the fucking cover is printed on, and, and call printing places in different states and ask them very, very specific questions about what their matte finish feels like, and if they can... Find me another seven inch that I could possibly buy on discogs that they definitely did. So I can feel what the, what the paper quality is like. Cause it's, I need, I need a specific thing. It's gotta be just so, um, I take all the time to do that. I can take the time to lose my train of thought. Cause I'm rambling on. <laughs> um, but, but uh, <laughs> what we didn't anticipate was that everyone else in the fucking world was that had the same idea at the same fucking time. Same fucking time. We're all like, oh, let's all put out records. We're all going to put out records starting now. Not now, but now. Not now. Right this second. Now. Okay, go. And then plants got jammed up. So our record, like the next. They're all done. They're all fucking finished. But we have to wait for fucking ever to get them back from the goddamn plant because everything is all jacked up still.
4: Thanks, Adele. (laughs) It's all Adele's fault
0: it's actually not entirely that's that's no but i I down to blame her that's i mean that's fine you could we could blame adele and taylor swift all we want but like one of the real reasons was that other countries didn't have the same shutdown protocols that we did so other countries were like namely the czech republic who that's where uh pirates press presses all of their records yeah they were shut down way longer than we were mm-hmm. so when stuff was getting sent to all different plants, it was just piling up in inboxes basically. And it, it, yeah, the Adele thing like didn't help, but that wasn't like the worst reason why, sure. as I was told by somebody that works for Pirate's Press. Yeah.
4: All right. Well, it's all cool Adele.
0: <laughs> I, I guess I'm, fuck, I'm not like going to bat for Adele. I'm just, uh, <laughs>
5: <laughs> it's okay we'll have her on the podcast eventually and <laughs> yeah we'll find out about her un- unreleased scott album
0: uh 22 scott do <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's probably no for her it's probably um so her first record was 21 so it's probably like 17 that's the unreleased scott record
0: oh it would yeah because it have to be beforehand which might track because if it was like 15 16 17 it's like oh yeah it's you know like you always hear about actors and you know they had a ska band like back in the day.
4: Yeah, you've been you've been kind of vocal about this. So, to ask um, you you started going to therapy uh, last year, right? I did. Uh, are, are, do you want to talk up a little bit about what led you to that and why you made that decision?
0: Yeah, I was. I realized one day that you need to get up off the couch every once in a while. You have to actually live your life. You can't just you know, stare at the same fucking three things that you've watched on YouTube. Like I can, I can only watch the, you know, this fucking three hour review of breath of the wild so many times. No, I, I, I was like every day I was getting up and going from bed to the couch, then couch to bed, then bed to the couch, the couch to bed. And just like felt like complete fucking garbage all the time. I was always, I was always fucked up and sad and miserable and, felt like the world hated me and everyone's laughing at me and I'm a fucking pile of shit and I'm, and everything I make is fucking garbage and this and that, and this and that. And at some point I had a moment of clarity and was like, that's not, that's not how you, that's not okay. You don't, or you don't need to live like that. That's, you can do something about this. And I should have done it a long time ago. I, I let it go way fucking longer than I ever, ever, ever should have. I let it go well past uh like for me the the depression like it's up and down it ebbs and flows, and it's when it's at it's when it's low, it's really really low it's it's that it's like you know kind of catatonic, not barely just just barely existing, like only eating food and drinking water to sustain my own miserable existence maybe another 24 hours and then repeating that process over and over and over again um so and then like you know and then maybe it'll come up eventually but like in those moments when it was that low i i should have been seeing somebody um for years for years and years and years this is, this has been going on since i was Probably since I like was out of high school, like probably really started like eighteen, nineteen. I you know maybe when the, I realized that the the crushing weight of the world is a real and tangible thing. Um. Yeah, I decided one day like oh. I I should do something about this, so I did. I called and made an appointment to go see a therapist, and it was wildly simple. It was very, very easy. It was not a scary thing to do, to, like, call someone and, and you know, I do not think I called them. I think I'd made the appointment online, and then then my therapist texted me, and I text with my therapist um, when we have, hmm. you know, like, can we, you know, switch this to earlier or later or whatever the, the case may be. Um, hey, copay went through, you know, whatever. Um but uh I didn't go for the longest time probably more out of laziness than anything else because I thought the, I thought it was gonna be a difficult thing to start I thought it was like I thought the barrier of entry was so much higher I, I was sure that it was gonna be difficult to to find someone first and foremost and someone that's gonna accept my insurance and someone that's gonna you know vibe with me specifically because I'm such a unique little person what ever? Uh, <laughs> um <laughs> I just I really thought it was gonna be this daunting thing, and then I just went on my insurance's website and it was like, here's a list of people. Oh, by the way, there's one you know, a few minutes away from your fucking house. You can walk there. And I was like, that's a crazy concept.
4: I'm curious, is like, um, did you make the step when you were like, you know? At your lowest and you're like, I can't take it anymore. Or was it when you kind of pulled out of it a little bit and you had a little bit of clarity, like, oh, the way I was just feeling yesterday, uh, I don't want to feel that way anymore. So now that I'm feeling a little better, I can put the energy towards doing it.
0: It was was at the lowest and it was probably mostly due to my girlfriend, uh, who I met because of ska shows, may I add. (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, telling it's probably from her telling me, like, yo, you should go talk to somebody, like, you, you should, you got to do something about this, like, just go on the website, dude, like, go look it up. And I, you know, it, 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 she'd always been concerned for me, she'd always, she, she clearly knew that I was not okay, you know, when, you know, for like. A week straight, you come home and the only word I say is, Huh. Like, you know, it, something's not okay. I'm not doing particularly well. Um, or telling me like like at like that thing where like you're just asking me if I ate food today. And like, uh, I think so. And then I realize like, oh, it's seven o'clock, I had a bowl of cereal at, you know, nine. Like, oh, I should eat food. Right um but you know her, yeah. her concern for me and and wanting to see me do better was probably the catalyst for it
4: yeah when i was when i was in my early 20s i i uh, i started having like intense panic attacks like almost a i con- almost like constantly and so yeah i got it got to the point where i was and i didn't know i didn't know what a panic attack was i didn't know what i didn't have any language yeah. for it i was just like this very weird thing that I hate is happening to me nonstop. It's
0: a, yeah, it's a scary thing, especially when you don't know what it is.
4: Yeah, so then I yeah I, I I got so desperate to like that I like yeah I went and saw a therapist for a while, and that that was like the, day one. It was like you're having a panic attack. These are normal, you know. It's like even that was like mm-hmm. it brought it down like a full notch. You know, it wasn't gone, but it was like oh okay. It's, we there's it's so weird. I'm not I'm not just like a freak of nature. Um, losing their mind i'm like a human being going through something
0: yeah absolutely i mean just just having somebody validate that i think can do a world of good for somebody you know knowing that you're you're not one it's you're not always going to feel like this necessarily uh yeah two it's not unusual it's not strange it's not bad you're not you're not bad for any of this happening you're not lesser of anything or or worse or or whatever like it's it's all it's all fine and it's in fact it it might even be fairly common um and having somebody tell you that or or even you know commiserating with someone else or finding out that someone else is like that through whatever means you, you may discover that about them uh, a song or, or whatever um, I think helps a lot just knowing that you're, you're not alone.
4: So as an artist, as a musician um, going through this process, has it impacted the way you write the way you express yourself in music?
0: Sometimes I have this, sometimes I have this like fear that mm, being, too honest might be uh, maybe like difficult for for someone else to hear mm-hmm. and and for that I I am I'm, I'm sorry if that is you know how someone else feels but like for me personally it is one of the ways like writing down exactly how I am feeling and what i want to get out is one of my safest and best ways to cope with whatever i'm i'm going through particularly with, with yeah. depression and and generally the the writing of the depression uh, lyrics comes when i'm not at the lowest cuz that idea that fucking whole thing like uh tortured artist i can only do this when i'm when i'm like real low like yeah yeah i can't do fucking anything when i'm down there it's great for you dude i'm fucking stoked that you can sit in a fucking coffee shop wear a beret and and write your heart out and be sad the whole time that's fucking awesome dude good for you i choose to watch simpsons and lie on the couch and sink into the fucking couch like i i choose to have to call up wayfair and get new cushions because I fucking ran the old ones through the bottom of the couch. That's what I choose to do with, with my depression time.
4: Yeah, there's like um there's like romantic depression.
0: And does that happen? Sure. I guess I guess I'm not that fucking guy though.
4: Yeah. Then there's just like very unglamorous, very unpleasant depression. <laughs> Which
0: I I I have to think is is more so the case, because we don't we don't have a bunch of fucking you know Oscar Wilde's just running around
4: (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for listening to In Defense of Ska if you've enjoyed this episode please like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you normally stream or download episodes if you haven't already grab a copy of my book In Defense of Ska available at clashbooks.com you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. It's at IndefensiveSka. And please consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com backslash You will get monthly bonus episodes, extended interviews and commentary per episode, and access to the Indefensive Ska Discord. Indefensive Ska would not be possible without the great team that tirelessly works on it every week. So you should go check out their other projects as well. Co-host Adam Davis has an amazing band called Omnigon. Give them a follow on Instagram and Twitter. It's simply at Omnigon. And our editor Chris Reeves has a phenomenal record label and podcast called Ska Punk International. For more information, go to skapunkinternational.com. And if you've ever enjoyed one of the highly specific indefensive ska memes floating around the interwebs, was likely the work of The Bands I Like Only Charge $18. Find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On that note, we leave you by saying Ska Now More Than Ever.